morning, Storyside. Aren't you thankful for God's blessings? I absolutely love that song. May his favor go before us, behind us, beside us, all around us. Thank God for his blessings in our lives. Would you welcome all those joining us online? Let them know how thankful you are that they are with us today. Today is Baptism Sunday. We are baptizing. Uh, The number seems like every time I hear it, it's growing, which is exciting. But we are baptizing quite a few people now uh, in Belleville. And so you can get the information online. But those of you that know the area down by the bridge, uh, the pavilion there, uh, if you want to pull in, park in one of those spots and locations, you'll see a lot of our team there. Uh, But at 1.30 today, if you've not signed up to be baptized, we have some open certificates waiting on you. Uh, And it's not too late uh, for whether you're in the room or online, if God has been speaking to your heart about baptism uh, and you don't want to keep on waiting, uh, you want to be baptized today, uh, I would be honored to baptize you. I think baptism is one of my favorite things as a pastor, and today I believe is going to be a special day. Uh, When you think about baptism, I want to encourage those who have not been baptized uh, how important it is. So Jesus told us to be baptized. Jesus told the disciples, uh, go into all the world. We call it the Great Commission. And to teach, to command, people need to be baptized. So Jesus told us to be baptized. Peter, uh, who many consider the cornerstone of the early church, uh, Peter said in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized. And then the Apostle Paul, who wrote many of the writings that we teach today, uh, Paul told us, to be baptized. And so it's not just Pastor Micah. Uh, the, the very source of Scripture would tell us over and over and over again to be baptized. The Gospel of Mark, maybe you've raised your hand and in those moments you made a fresh start with Jesus. You said, I want to follow Jesus, but you've never been baptized. The Gospel of Mark says, he that believeth and is baptized. And so I want to encourage you to be baptized. When you're baptized, Uh, Maybe you would say, you know, I don't know about crowds, and I don't know about people looking, and now in Belleville and people driving by. Actually, baptism is a really important part of your faith journey because it's when you go public with your faith. So, you know, when you repent, you can have those moments where no one's looking around, and it's between you and Jesus, and he's hearing that prayer. But baptism is that moment in your life where it is an outward decision, It, it is an outward example of what the transformation or decision is that's been happening on the inside. And so you're not afraid to tell the whole world, I'm a follower of Jesus. And so I want to encourage you, if you've not been baptized, it's not too late uh, to be part of the baptism this afternoon at 1.30. Maybe you've been thinking about being rebaptized. So, you know, my, my rabbi friend would say they're baptized every year. Uh, unashamedly, one doesn't take away from the other. Uh, they, they're baptized every single year. It's part of just cleaning off the residue of that year is, is how they would, would teach it that he has shared with me. Uh, but for those of you that, that were baptized years and years ago, and maybe you have felt guilty, like, well, what if I'm re-baptized now? Does it eliminate that? It's not eliminating uh, your baptism, but I have encouraged people over the years, you know, Acts 19, they were baptized based on new revelation, So they were already baptized, but when they heard about Jesus and the goodness of God, they were re-baptized based on their new revelation of Jesus. And so uh, maybe some of you just feel like you've really grown in your faith or you know more about Jesus now and you're like, you know, I want to be re-baptized today. 
Don't let anyone make you feel guilty. Like, well, I thought you were baptized three churches ago, and, you know, baptism is a celebration. This is not a guilt day. This is a celebration day, and we're going to celebrate with everyone who's made this awesome decision to be baptized. So we're excited about that. And I also wanted just to give a shout-out. I saw Pastor Josiah down here looking so good in his suit jacket, his sport coat. Um, But Pastor Josiah and uh, the East Knox team, they've been working diligently hours and hours and hours. And next Sunday, they are launching in East Knox, and so we're excited about that. And so I'm asking you to keep that church location in your prayers, and as always, let's keep all of the churches in our region in in our prayers if we can. Um, We do it often, but let's continue to pray for every church that God will be, especially in this season, a source of strength for them. I want to talk to you today about the danger of dead flies. The danger, you know, when I was preparing for this message, I started thinking about, you know, not so much this generation, but the generation I was raised in. This didn't just work on flies. How many knows what I'm talking about? Uh, How many of you were the fly? (laughs) I heard the joke, what did the firefly say to the other firefly? You glow, girl. Uh, that's, that's embarrassing to even tell. Uh, that's not funny. I heard the joke about the woman that walked into the kitchen, and she actually sees her, she sees her husband with the fly swatter, and she said, what are you doing? And he responded, I'm chasing the flies. And she said, well, did, did you kill them? And he said, well, as a matter of fact, I did three males and two females. Intrigued, she asked him, how... You, how do you make the difference between females and males? And he answered, well, three were on the TV remote and two were on the phone. Um, <laughs> that's not funny. What do you call a fly without wings? A walk. Uh, I made that joke up on the fly. Um, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I, I, I promise I'm done. Uh, Flies are found all over the world except in Antarctica. There are 120,000 species of flies ranging in size from 1 20th of an inch, which is smaller than a grain of salt, to almost 3 inches. I will preface what I'm going to share today by simply telling you, in studying the animal kingdom now for years, I think seven or eight years probably, I've done series on animals. The Bible is full of different animals and, and facets of the animal kingdom. I don't know that I've ever legitimately, this is not just like a passing statement, legitimately made myself sick, gross myself out studying for a message like I did this message. Flies are disgusting. Uh, So I'm just prefacing what I'm saying. But bodies are split into three sections called a tagma. The first tagma is their head, eyes, their antenna, their mouth parts. Their second tagma is the thorax. The third is the abdomen. A fly has to flap its wings over a hundred times per second. It's three times faster than a hummingbird. They can fly in any direction. They can go up, down, side to side, backwards. Scientists have used freeze frame footage to show that flies do not flip. They actually flop as they land upon the ceiling. Prior prior to impact, uh, the fly will extend its forward legs over its head, makes contact, uses the momentum it has gathered in flight to hoist the remainder of its body 
to the ceiling. They have compound eyes that give them nearly 360 degrees of eyesight. We, to put it in perspective, we can only process around 60 images per second, but flies can process about 250 per second. This gives them extremely fast reaction times, which is why some of you miss and get frustrated over and over and over again. Uh, Flies taste with their feet. They live on a liquid diet. They, this is disgusting, I'm sorry, but they regurgitate digestive juices onto food, which causes the food to break down into smaller particles in order to drink it. Flies have six feet. Aren't you glad you came or logged on? Uh, This is deep. Uh, Flies have six feet. They can stick to almost any surface due to the claws and sticky pads on their feet. These sticky pads found under the two claws attached to each of its feet. It's because because of these sticky pads, it's because of these sticky pads and the hairs on the legs that the fly uh, is such a carrier of disease and germs. They can spread diseases like salmonella, E. coli, very quickly. They say that flies can also carry typhoid, cholera, TB, anthrax, gangrene, bubonic plague, leprosy, scarlet fever, yellow fever, the list goes on. After studying, after studying over 300,000 flies, researchers Dr. Yao and, and Dr. Wan concluded that your average house fly could carry 2 million bacteria on its body. Their lifespan is right around 30 days, but this is really important. They can lay up to 500 eggs within that lifespan. They lay their eggs on feces, rotting carcasses, decaying fruit in order to give their larvae something to eat when they hatch. House flies primarily breed in garbage. They say that garbage cans and large trash containers can produce maggots within 24 hours. They say that flies will leave what they call fecal spots or specks. Uh, They will leave these fecal spots or specks where they have walked, and in this way they may transfer disease organisms to humans and to animals. A housefly is the most common of all insects, if a housefly spots a group of flies, that individual fly will always join the group of flies. The fruit flies can produce multiple generations within days. NASA actually uses them to study diseases that would take decades to develop in humans. Recapping just some of this, because I want to lay a foundation for where we're going to go in God's Word today. Recapping just some of, of these things, flies... Uh, sticky, they spread, they leave specks, there's a residue, they reproduce, they want to work their way into your house or home, and they love to group or gather together. Would sum all of that up simply by telling you that flies can be, I, I know they're small and sometimes we don't always take small things serious. The Bible does. The, the Bible would say a little leaven or small foxes. The Bible tells you and I The tongue can control. Small things matter in Scripture. Maybe we don't always see the danger or the implication of small things, but flies can be dangerous and destructive. Flies, I want God's Word to help you today. Flies can be dangerous 
and destructive. If you look in Scripture, you will find, I won't go to all of the passages, but Matthew chapter 12, Mark chapter 3, Luke chapter 11, uh, different Scripture passages will use a name for the devil. Uh, that name is Beelzebub. It's, it's another name in Scripture for Satan. So if you were to study what Beelzebub means, you will find that it is known in what they call demonology. Um, not that I'm encouraging you to start studying demonology, but, but in demonology, uh, Beelzebub is, is one of the seven princes of hell and is known as the Lord, the Lord of the flies. Exodus chapter 8, verse number 24 is one instance of flies in Scripture. There, there's quite a few, but one instance is here in verse 24 when it's talking about the plagues, but it says, and there came great swarms of flies into the house. Right? I shared with you, not, not scriptural studies, I, sh I shared with you earlier just natural studies of how flies want to make their way into your home. Here in this plague, the flies make their way into Pharaoh's house and the houses of his servants and the land was laid waste because of the swarms of flies. An entire region, an entire region comes to a halt because of flies that make their way into their lives. When you look at some of these things I'm sharing, I know it's gross um, and could be very disgusting, but when the Bible talks about flies, and I'm going to read a few more scriptures to you, but when we read a verse like this and how a fly has the ability to cause not just the damage and destruction, but to waste, I would like to ask all of us in the room and those joining us online today, what is being wasted in your life? What is being wasted in your life right now? What are the, the spiritual this Beelzebub, this Lord of the Flies, what is being wasted in your life? Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse number 1, says dead flies, dead flies. Maybe you've walked into a room before and you will see just multiple dead flies on a windowsill dead or, you know, you'll, you'll see flies that are gathered in certain areas that are just littered, laying around, dead flies, that the writer here is going to say, if those dead flies make their way into the oil, the ointment, the perfume, it says it's going to send forth an evil odor. So dead flies cause the oil of the perfumer to send forth an evil odor. Another translation says this, a dead fly causes a stench in mixed anointing oil. A dead fly causes a stench in mixed anointing oil. Here in our time together today, I, I want to just, all of us really, to look at the danger of dead flies. The danger of dead flies. I think for us to really evaluate, because I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit different today at the conclusion of our message. I'm going to ask you to take some time, whether it's with your spouse or your family or, or even your church family today, and as we prepare our hearts for prayer here in a few, few moments, I, 
I want you to be honest enough to admit with somebody what you think some of the dead flies are in your life. So I, I, I'm not, it's not, not really putting you on the spot, but in a way, in just this holy moment, I want you to admit some of the dead flies that are making their way into your life. So not just your physical home, but the Bible says we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And what is this Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies? What are these dead flies that would love to get into your life, your emotions, your thoughts? And right now, you're not everything you should be for God. You're, you're not everything you could be because of these dead flies. These dead flies. When you look at this verse of Scripture, I think before we immediately identify, identify yeah, that's, I need to save that for 1045. Um, before I identify um, the dead flies and, and you assess your own life, I think we have to look at the perfume or the oil or the ointment. When you look at, when you look at oil in the Bible... Oil means the anointing. It would typically mean the anointing. How many of you are thankful for the anointing of God? So maybe if you've not been around church a lot and you're trying to track oil, anointing, there, God is everywhere. So John 4 tells us that God is everywhere. But there is special moments where, you know, even in Scripture, Jacob would wake up and he's like, wow, God was here. There are times, it could be today while we're singing the blessing. You know, I'm standing here in the back worshiping, and I, even though I'm watching the back of your hands shoot up in the air, and, and, and people that, you know, I'm watching the Sanders and different ones worshiping in those moments, there's something about holy moments, anointed moments, where you're like, wow, I really feel God. It's not that he's not always there. It's just that you are aware. You are very aware that God is in this moment right now. And sometimes the anointing can come through prayer times, it can come through the Word of God, it could come through what we would call an altar time or a ministry moment. There is something special about the anointing. You would, you would never want to live your life without the anointing. You would never want to go to church without the anointing. You would never want to have worship times and not sense the anointing. The anointing is very special. Not only do we see oil reference, we see ointment referenced. In, in several of the translations, if you look up this verse, you're going to see that, that it'll use the word Isaac ointment. Ointment in the Bible is typically going to be tied to worship, or in some instances, it is something that has a high value or it's a priority. So the writer is telling us that the dead flies, the dead flies are after the anointing and they're after this ointment, your worship, it's try, trying to stop your worship, and if the dead flies get in there, it's going to taint it. That's what the writer is telling us. So if dead flies make their way into that area, it's going to do damage, it's going to be very destructive on that part of your life. When you look at when you look at the anointing in Scripture, I, I won't reference all of them, but let me give you a few. Isaiah 10 says that the yoke is destroyed. So at times people could have yokes on their life. They could have bondages. They could have addictions. They, they could have heaviness. The Bible would talk about spirits of heaviness. The Bible would tell us here in Isaiah 10 that the yoke can be destroyed because of the 
anointing, because of the anointing. First John chapter 2 would say that the anointing, everyone say the anointing, the anointing teaches you. Luke chapter 4 verse 18, Jesus is going to take a scroll, he's going to stand up and he's going to say, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, he has, he has anointed me. So before we get into deliverance, before we get into healing the brokenhearted, before we get into all of those things Jesus is going to declare, he is first going to say, I'm anointed to do it. The anointing's a big deal. That's why before we ever, and the team prays for it all the time, but before we ever sing a song, before we ever get to our, he has called me to do this and this and this, you always want to make sure that's prefaced by the anointing. I, I know people, and I've done it myself, but I, I know people that will pray, God, I want my house to be anointed. I want my business to be anointed. I want, it's really important that you and I live a life that values the anointing. The Bible, the Bible would tell us in Genesis 28 that when Jacob uh, had one of his God moments that he took a stone and he poured oil. So he wanted that place where he recognized he was aware of God. He wanted it to have the oil, symbolic of the anointing. You would find in Exodus 30, they called it the sacred anointing oil. All through that passage, it's not just the, the anointing oil. They called it the sacred anointing oil. If we were to read in Leviticus 8, you would find that they poured anointing oil on Aaron's head. Or 1 Samuel 16 when Samuel comes to the house of Jesse, he pours this anointing oil on David. Psalm 23, I love Psalm 23, uh, and maybe you have quoted or read it before, you've heard it maybe, where the Lord is my shepherd, but it's going to end up with saying, you anoint my head, you anoint my head. We have all kinds of thoughts, we have, we have all kinds, plus the head is leadership, and he said, you, that's important, I, I don't want to just have my own thoughts. I don't want to just govern my own way. I don't want to figure out my own direction. I need you to anoint my head, and I hope that's your desire today. I want you to anoint my head. You, you'd find in Matthew 25 that end times, people will say, Pastor Micah, is there any chance right now we're in the end times? I get that question a lot. Uh, it definitely is checking a lot of boxes, I would say that. Uh, it's checking a lot of the boxes in Scripture. But when, when you look at end times in the Bible, it actually, in one case, would compare it to whether or not you have oil or not. Whether or not you have oil. Uh, that, that's in Matthew 25. James 5 and Mark 6 would say that they anointed the sick with oil. And just pray for the sick. They anointed the sick with oil. Or Luke 10, if you've ever heard the, the story of the Good Samaritan, the, the Levite, the priest, they go by. There's a half-dead, half-naked man down in a ditch. The good Samaritan comes by. When he goes down, before he ever gets him to what we would consider an inn or a hotel to heal him, uh, the first thing he's going to do, he's going to pour oil in his wounds. Uh, I, I, think, I think sometimes we try to fix people. Like when people come to church, we're always like, they're, they're, well, I need church clothes and I got to change this. And when I get my act together and then I'll come, like I, over my 30 years, I hear that all the time. Almost like we want to get the hotel or the inn first. Actually, I think we just need to get them in the presence of God. Sometimes the anointing oil first is the best way to go. Come with your brokenness, come with your baggage, come with your issues. Let the anointing oil of God touch your life. And the Bible tells us in that passage, they, they poured the oil down into this man's wounds. Maybe, and I won't get into all of them, but maybe you've heard 
Maybe you've heard the story in Scripture uh, where the woman has where the woman has this ointment uh, that is of great value that many people and and specifically. Um, uh, some of the leaders would question, why are you wasting this oil? So to put it in perspective, she takes this anointing oil, she's going to break it, pour it on the feet of Jesus and, and let it be part of her worship. To put it in perspective, the value of this, most people would place that anointing oil, Junior, somewhere around 500 denarii. So if you remember when Jesus fed 5,000 men plus women and children, how many have ever heard that story? He takes five loaves, two fish, feeds a multitude, most people believe there was 5,000 men plus women and children, so somewhere around 20 or 30,000 people they believe was there that day. If you remember the dialogue or the discussion with Jesus, one of his disciples said, if we were to give them something to eat, it would cost us 200 denarii. So they're going to feed a mass multitude for 200 denarii, at least something. This woman is going to take 500 denarii, and she's going to break it and pour it on the feet of Jesus and worship Jesus. That's how important Jesus was in her life. If you're looking at the value some people put on Jesus, she was like, I want to take this, and I want to give it all to God in this moment, because sometimes you just realize without him, I'm nothing. If I didn't have Jesus, I wouldn't be anything, and it doesn't matter the value or worth of this. I know how worthy he is. And so that's an ointment. That's an ointment kind of moment. Here in our final few moments together, I, I hope your heart is resonating with the fact that there is no substitute for the anointing in your life. There's no substitute for the anointing in your life. There is something special. I'm not talking about three songs not talking about just talent. You can go a lot of places and see people that are talented to pick up a guitar, get, get behind a keyboard, or they can do different octaves and levels and notes. And you can go a lot of places and see that. But you know, it could be a living room, it could be a small group, it could be a Sunday morning setting, or you could be all alone driving in your truck or in your car. But when the anointing slips in and you know this is a holy moment, there is nothing like being in a spirit-filled moment of worship with God. The anointing's a special thing. And so that's why we encourage you to pray. When you hear people say, you know, it might be Travis on, on the stage or Pastor Kristen, and people will say, come on, story side, why don't you let God know? Or maybe someone has told you before, it's, it's important for you to clap your hands, or, or why don't you raise your hands? It's a sign of surrender. It's, it's not that we're trying to create someone to be a robot, you know, that's going, it's not that we're doing that. We just know that if you will make a move towards God, if you will draw nigh to God, the Bible says he will draw nigh to you, there is something about praising God. When you begin to respond to him, the Bible tells us that he will inhabit the praise of his people. And so it is important, it is important for you and I to value the anointing. The writer is going to warn us that dead flies will try to take away from the ointment or the oil. And so I could share with you today that I believe God's heart is for Michelle to have the anointing in her life. I could share with you today that Hannah, Hannah how old are you now? 14? 14? She shared here at our, our student takeover, shared at the Ontario student takeover. 
Hannah, you're, you're so funny. You, you, you spend hours preparing. I love your heart to take it serious. But all of those things, my life and your life, all of it really doesn't matter unless what the Bible would say, unless he takes a coal from his altar and he anoints our lips. And then when the anointing of God takes all of our preparation, then the anointing makes the difference. And God would want nothing more for Hannah's life than for her to live a life of the anointing, to value the anointing, to come in. And it's not just an hour in a building on a Sunday, but that you would live a life, Hannah, that would say, when I come to church, it's not just like I'm going to Kroger or Meyer or Walmart. I am going to the house of God to honor God, to worship God, to praise God. That's what God wants for Hannah's life. As as, As Hannah grows in her faith, God would want her future to desire the presence of God. God wants you to get your kids in the presence of God. God wants your family in the presence of God. But the devil, the Lord of the flies, Beelzebub, wants to do everything he can to taint the oil or the anointing in your life. As we get ready to pray today, flies will get in the ointment of your marriage. They'll try to get in the ointment of your home, your parenting. Some of you right now, if you were just to scroll social media or or just look at your life right now, and maybe it won't come to you in this moment, maybe it'll take the day or the week, but I'm asking the Holy Spirit would begin to show you what are the dead flies that are in your life that's trying to taint the the anointing of God, that there was a time you know it was stronger. There was a day that you know your desire was deeper. There was a day that whether it was prayer, praise, or worship, it didn't matter who was looking. There was no inhibitions. There was no cares or concerns. You knew, I need Jesus in my life. I need the anointing of God in my life. What has slipped in? What is the addiction? What is the habit? What is the negativity? What's the politics? I don't, I don't know what it is, but, but the devil will use every angle he can to get into the oil and the ointment of your life. Jesus said in John 15, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And then he tells us, but if you ever decide you don't need me, If you ever think you can do this without the anointing, Micah, if you ever think, Hannah, if you you ever get to the point, he said, I just want to remind you, apart from me, do nothing. I would think all of us would agree in the room and online today that the last thing we would ever want is to live a life without God. Maybe today you've been living that kind of a life. You've been living a life without God and you know where it's taking you. You know where it leads. Maybe you're sensing in the room or online, you're, you're, you're sensing, Pastor Mike, I've tried it on my own. I've tried it apart from him. It doesn't work. I, I just keep messing things up. Maybe other people, you started out in the spirit like the church in Galatia. You started out in the anointing. 
But here was a fly. Remember I told you how they always want to group up? It's amazing how negativity can do that. Then another fly, and then someone posted, and then someone said, and then at this one family gathering, and then this, and then Pastor Micah, the hurt and the pain, and before you know it, all these flies are in your ointment. You want to worship? You want to keep your relationship with God pure? But if the Holy Spirit was to shine his light on you today, there's too many dead flies in the ointment. It's messing it all up. How awesome would it be today? How awesome would it be today if the love of God and the grace of God, if the Spirit of God began to not only show you, see this, remember this, look at this bitterness, look what they said, look. The Holy Spirit not only showed you those things, but even in this holy moment, if God began to help you to get that out of your heart, out of your life, say, Pastor Micah, it's little. I know, but little things are dangerous and little things build up. There's a lot of things that could take you and I away or apart from God, but I'm asking you today to make your prayer. I I normally wouldn't ask you to make a specific prayer your prayer, especially in a generalized setting. I, I would let you pray your own prayer, but I'm asking all of us today to make this at least part of our prayer, and that is that I will prioritize the presence of God in my life. It's not just Micah, it's not just Hannah. I'm asking everyone to join Hannah and I and say, I will prioritize the presence of God in my life. What's pulling you apart from God today? What is the, what is the dead fly? Is that you, Lisa? I love you. I'm usually like third or fourth row and it's a blur. So you're fourth row and I was like, ah, this is, I'm going to take a shot. I love you, Lisa. I'm praying for your family. What, what are the flies that the enemy right now is just like, if I can just, if the Hamiltons will just let this one part, this one play, if they'll just, just leave that. And the enemy is like counting on the fact enemy is counting on the fact that you will never be as anointed as what you could have been. You will never be as powerful as what you could have been because the dead flies. It can happen to all of us, right? If you've been around church for any length of time, it it can happen in my life. It can happen to every one of us where things just begin to affect. And no, no, wonder, no wonder there's passages in the Bible like, like in Revelation that would say, you left your first love. How does someone ever leave their first love? How, how, how do they love God and love the things of God, but then they end up way over here? Well, it happens with dead flies. And it just slips in and it takes over and it affects. And before you know it, Before you know it, you you just know in your heart, I'm not as on fire. I'm not as excited. I'm not as engaged as what I used to be. Dead flies. It's the danger of dead flies. So I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit would show you some things, and then I'm going to encourage you. I know it's a little different than normal, but it's okay. I'm going to ask, you know, I I see several friends sitting together, families, spouses, 
If you're not beside someone and there's church family, I'm fine. Those of you that are keeping distance, that's fine. But even if you just want to turn a row or look towards someone, but I would love, the Bible would call it confession. Confession. I would love for you to find someone, especially that, that you know, um, and just be honest enough to admit, be honest enough to admit, these are some dead flies in my life, spiritually, Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies, these are some dead flies that I'm really asking for God to help me with because I don't want this to ruin my relationship with God. I don't want it to ruin my relationship with God. If you've never given your life to Christ, you're not saved. When I shared earlier about apart from God, away from God, that's the worst life you and I could ever live is a life away from God. Maybe today is your day to say, you know what, I need Jesus. I I don't want to live the apart life, the away life. I I actually want a relationship with Jesus today, Micah. I'm going to pray for you right now that you would make that decision. The Bible says if you'll believe, if you'll say with your mouth, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, if you'll repent, which simply means you turn, you turn from sin, you turn from your own way, and you say, I want to follow Jesus. You can put that in your words, but if you'll pray that prayer, I believe God will hear your prayer today. This is a holy moment. This is an ointment moment. This is an oil moment. I want to pray that you and I don't miss it. God, I thank you for today. Thank you for people in the room and online that will make a decision to follow Jesus, to be saved. They've tried the apart and away, and they know it's not working. Today, they actually want to do the opposite. They want to follow Jesus Christ. I celebrate every one of those prayers taking place right now. I pray for those that know in their heart the Holy Spirit is already convicting them. They know in their heart there's a dead fly. There's a dead fly. This dead fly, this unforgiveness, this offense, this social media post, this lukewarmness, this lackadaisical... This status quo, this complacency. I pray that the Holy Spirit would show people dead flies today. That the devil is counting on the fact that we'll let the dead flies stay in the ointment, stay in the oil. But in this holy moment right now, the opposite is happening. We're saying, God, take it out, take it away. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way. See if there's any dead flies. See if there's anything that needs to come out. Take it out today, Jesus. I feel your love at work right now. I feel your grace at work right now. I feel your truth at work right now. I don't want to live a life apart from God. I will, not maybe or might, I will prioritize the presence of God in my life. And I pray these prayers in Jesus' name.